Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ is your college basketball team the the fan favorite, the media favorite, the former coach favorite to win the national title, to make the final four, to get picked to win a national title here right out of the gate is your program uh, looking at uh, being the best team in college baseball once again this year. Are they running out of options? Are they being compared to Nick Saban, what he's building at Alabama by D1 baseball? Is it your program? Probably not. But if you're a Tennessee fan, (laughs) you're feeling pretty good because everything HQ, everything school HQ for that matter is looking dynamite here in beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee, where the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, big road game on the road with the Orange Britches uh, at Missouri on Saturday afternoon in Columbia. But everything coming up, Tennessee, but that is neither here nor there. Fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, is also here. Uh, just kind of, you know, going through the motions. Maybe Brock Bowers is back. Maybe uh, that's a, a little wrinkle at home under the lights in Sanford Stadium. Uh, all Georgia fans would like for the black uniforms to come back. Uh, this would be the night to do it, but it doesn't look like uh, that's probably going to be the case. I don't really understand why uh, they they don't bring back the black uniforms one night a week. I don't know when you look at dark mode and how much players like them at Tennessee and how good they look uh, all across the board. I don't really understand uh, why that's the thing because uh, it was a good time, even dating back to Georgia Auburn many years ago, Matt Green, when you had uh, Vern and Gary dancing uh uh, hitting the Superman uh, in the booth and no Soldier Boy, yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. But Matt Green, how are you? Doing well, man. Yeah, I um, I don't know you your Tennessee talk. I don't know what to do with all your preseason trophies you're giving out these days. But um, yeah, don't get me started on the black jerseys. I say I say I lost all hope, and it's like no, we're not gonna wear. Them. I'm not gonna get my hopes up. But then a night game comes, you're like, maybe we'll wear them. And then another game goes, and they wear the red jerseys again. And, uh, yeah, the, the recruits love them. The, for the, the, every recruiting picture, they're always rocking the black jerseys. 
The fans love them. They obviously wear them in the spring game. So like we have the uniforms. So like we're just we're just not wearing these in games. So I don't know. It's uh yeah, it would be a lot of fun if they did it. I'd love it one night game a a season or, or just bust out any time. Bust on the SEC championship. Just rock them. They look sick. You got teams like Tennessee and Florida. Iowa State that don't even have black as one of their colors and they rock the black jersey. So grinds my gear, sir. We won't even get started on that, but I'm excited. College game day, going to be in Athens. So uh, it should be, uh, it should be an, uh, a rowdy environment. Rowdy environment. Of course. Are we talking about Tennessee, Athens, Tennessee Georgia? Volunteers learned all about that last year, sir. College game day was in town. Georgia had been removed from that number one spot in the college football playoff rankings. A lot of similarities uh, with top 10 matchup. Obviously, Tennessee was coming in number one in the country, a little different uh, hype than Ole Miss this year. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a big time for sure. All right. Mark Rick, Mark Rick going in the, the college football playoff or college football hall of fame um, mm. this year. And so he's getting like honored, I think, in this game. So what what's a bigger part of Rick's legacy than those black jerseys? Honestly, that's he that Auburn game, like you're saying, that original blackout was a uh, one of the better moments of his entire tenure. Um, obviously, other than like the SEC championships, but uh, yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a good time to do it for sure. I don't know. I think about the red, uh, the weird red ones they wore down with Aaron Murray when they got blasted by uh, Boise State. I think those. Uh, are pretty etched in my he brain. He took some risks, you know. <laughs> you, you wanted to be one of those Nike teams that was rocking mm -hmm. the pro the pro combat. You know, everyone was doing it. 2010, 2011 was a different time. Uh, um, but no, they uh, they definitely tried to do a couple things, but you got to respect that. Kirby's Kirby's not worried about the uniforms. Obviously, they did bust out those dog collar ones. Those were um, rough, man. Those were which, cringe. That was the worst I think they've done. I actually think those are worse than the red ones. The dog collar was cringe. I think that was one you I, just can't do. It looks like a Walmart jersey for yes. sure. But um, the only thing I'll give it is that on TV, I mean, it didn't look that different. Like, it just looked like a normal black jersey for the most part. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, I almost like would rather them never wear black if that's going to be the black that they rock. You know what I mean? Mm. So the regular jerseys in black that you wear in the spring game, like just wear them in an actual game. Hey, I'm I'm with you. I, I'm surprised they haven't brought him back with how much uh, alternate uniforms are popping up and uh, just how much I would assume recruits. The recruits seem to really like all across the board. Florida just did uh, dark mode this last Saturday. I just feel like it's just one right. of those. Buford that... High School is rocking like four different uniforms. Like mm. they're they're doing crazy things, all green and stuff like that. Like it's you're university of georgia you don't have to do anything crazy you got louisville and these teams in kentucky mm -hmm. every big game busting out like the chrome helmets like they're just the worst thing ever i hate the chrome helmet uh trend but mm. like georgia is just simple just 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 change the jersey once every every season it's a it's a nice little nice little change of pace all right, there you go. Uh, Matt Green, the college football playoff uh, rankings came out once again uh, this week, uh, November 7th. Uh, Ohio State number one still, which I think kind of surprised a lot of folks, including myself. Uh, even though they did win uh, last week. Still, I don't think it's interesting because I don't know if you share this sentiment, but I don't think anyone actually believes that Ohio State's the best team in the country this year. And they 
are still sitting there at number one. They've lost to Michigan back-to-back years. I understand Michigan hasn't really played anybody, and Ohio State uh, has the win over Penn State uh, to their name to this point. But I think by and large, um, having Ohio State still sit there at number one atop everybody is kind of surprising to me because I just I don't think uh, they're the same as what they've been the last couple of years. And uh, the defense is much improved, and the defense is absolutely legit, especially on the edge. Um, Marvin Harrison, obviously legit too, but I think I'm a pretty big uh, Kyle McCord doubter uh, at this point uh, with three games left in the regular season, not much more time to to flash as the former five-star there. Um, and there's a reason that that uh, quarterback battle with Devin Brown seemed uh, to keep going on and on, even almost into the, the regular season. But you got Georgia at number two, Michigan at number three, uh, Florida State at number four, Washington at number five, Oregon at six. Texas at seven, Alabama at eight, uh, the Ole Miss Rebels, who are in Athens this weekend, uh, at number nine, and then Penn State rounding it out uh, at number 10. So you have four teams uh, within the top 10 uh, who will be playing uh, one another, which is a big time matchup. Like there's just a lot of, lot of good football this week and the next couple weeks here. Uh, Matt Green uh, all across the board because this is a, it's a big weekend uh, for, a, for a lot of schools, as we'll get into, because. Uh, you know, we're at the tail end of things and uh, the, the college ball playoff race in the last year of the four, it's tight because you can make the case and you wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these 10 teams uh, who are all eight and one and you could even throw a Louisville in there at eight and one, even though they have a pretty outside shot. But I mean, if they run the table um, and beat Florida State in the ACC title game, like I, I wouldn't discount uh, their strong possibility of making it in uh, to the playoff. But uh, it's pretty wide open uh, all across the board. And I think uh, it's good for the sport that in this last year, the four teamer, we have so many teams that are still very much alive uh, and to make that final four, right? Yeah, I think so. It's uh, We were talking uh, before before the show started because I kind of agree with you in terms of Ohio State. Like, I don't think anyone thinks they're the number one team in the country, but the resume, I guess, I guess the resume is is the is the best. Like the the uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Boo, uh, whatever on the uh, on the college ball playoff, the the commissioner or whatever you what whoever talks to the to Reese Davis and them when they're making their picks um he was talking and they asked him a question he basically completely devoided it just like Mm. if a team is number eight when you beat them and they finish number 25 or they finish unranked are you counting them as number eight you count them as number 25 and he's just oh we take it all into account like it's he just he kind of dodged that question and it may have been joey galloway that asked it because i think that's what a lot of us kind of want to know it's like like florida state beat top five lsu Ohio State beat maybe top five Notre Dame. They were way up there when that game was played. And now these teams are, you know, I think LSU's fine, but they're a a borderline top 20 team in the country. And Notre Dame, you'd probably say something similar. Do both of them have three losses now? So, yeah, it's like, you know, they're, they're good teams, but, you know, how much are we really weighing how good of wins those were? And so what's the other? And then Penn State, obviously, Uh, it, it's still a good win, but it's uh, it's it might not be as good of a resume as it once was. And I think Georgia obviously <clears throat> just beat Missouri, but it's still just kind of the one win. So maybe you beat Ole Miss, and that's enough to put uh, uh Georgia over Ohio State. But obviously, that's all going to work itself out. Ohio State, Michigan winner might have the best resume by the end of it, and, and they're number one. But um, if those two teams still run the table, but the 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 crazy scenario we were kind of talking about though is like 
there's a chance that a one loss SEC champion doesn't get in the playoff. And I think that's, we've never had that scenario before. I think it has to be Alabama because I think if Georgia is to trip up to Tennessee, then beat Alabama in the SEC championship, they probably have a good enough resume to be ahead of maybe Oregon or Florida state. If you're, if you're splitting hairs or something, but uh, but unless they get undefeated. So you, right now, you could have a scenario where you get an undefeated Big Ten champion. They're automatically in. Undefeated uh, ACC, Florida State gets in. And undefeated, say, Washington gets in. And, and even if it's not Washington, it's one-loss Oregon, Oregon gets in. And Texas has is a one-loss Big 12 champion. Texas is always going to be ahead of Alabama as long as they have one loss. Mm-hmm. So. If Alabama wins the SEC with one loss, it, it's hard to see them. It, you can you can well, conceivably see how them sure are you that the they the committee wouldn't put them in like a one loss Alabama team that won the SEC and a one loss Texas team that won the Big Twelve. If how certain Washington, are you they wouldn't do it? If it's Washington that's undefeated, mm-hmm. you got three undefeateds in Texas. Hundred percent, Alabama's not getting in. Like they would have to have beaten number one Georgia most likely, and that's mm. biggest win of the season. But you can't put them ahead of a team that beat them head to head. Like I'm, you're saying that, but how certain are you the committee will do that? I mean, I just don't see any way you can. I just mm. it, it would be unprecedented. But um, Greg McElroy was actually I, he he did a great job on that uh, on that show because everyone's kind of talking about the undefeateds, and then Oregon is that guaranteed best one loss team after that. And and Oregon has one win over a team with a winning record this season and Mm. not just not a ranked team or anything, just, just a team with a winning record. So I think that's a, you know, obviously they played Washington. They have the best loss of the one loss teams. I guess Alabama lost to Texas. Like that's a, it's a good loss too. Mm. But um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm kind of curious to see what happens with that. If, if, if we end up with three undefeateds, which Washington, you know, they've looked a little shaky in, in recent weeks, uh, like they could get upset. But if Washington, if you have those three undefeateds, like they're definitely going to be in the playoffs. So if Texas is that one sitting, it's like Cincinnati, Notre Dame a couple of years ago. Like, I remember that's kind of what I, I said when the first playoff rankings came out, like. Cincinnati felt disrespected down at number eight. And it's like, look, you beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame is always going to get respect. So wherever the committee is going to put Notre Dame, you got to put Cincinnati one spot ahead. So it's Texas. It's the ultimate kind of trump card sitting there with a win over Alabama, assuming Alabama, especially if Alabama uh, wins the SEC, because if Alabama is to win the SEC and it comes down to maybe we're talking about one loss Oregon or one loss Texas, it's like, well, Texas beat the SEC champion. Oregon will have a win over Washington, but I don't know. It's a, it's a it's an interesting conversation. A, a win at if Alabama wins the SEC, a win at Alabama is got to be the best win in college football of the entire season, even if it was all the way back in September. Well, let's say Michigan stays undefeated, wins out. Let's say Florida State stays undefeated and wins out. And then you've got one loss Georgia champ, SEC so champ. So Georgia loses to Tennessee or something. Yes, and then beats Alabama in the title. Okay. So one loss team there. Ohio State's only loss is a, to Michigan at the end of the year again. 
they avoid the playoff. Remember, they're at number one right now. So that's their only loss. They lose a close game. Get in this conversation with with a lot of these other champions. Well, here, let me let me. This is the variables that I'm curious about because this is what I think is this is basically what I could see happening most likely is Michigan finishing undefeated, Ohio State having the one loss and avoiding the Big Ten title game, Georgia having the one regular season loss to Tennessee, and we'll get more into that next week, and then they beat Alabama in the SEC title game, and then you've got Florida State who I don't think is going to lose um, the rest of the way. I'm inching closer to, I think they go into the CFP undefeated. Then you have Washington, who I think will have at least one loss, probably two after the big. Well, let's uh, the, say. The, so I'm saying Oregon. So who's the Pac 12 champion? It's a one loss. Oregon, Oregon wins out. Okay. Texas also wins out. How do you think the final four go in this scenario? Ooh. Because this is what I think actually happens is I think Oregon wins out, Texas wins out, Florida State finishes undefeated. Georgia has the one loss in the SEC title win, and then Michigan and Florida State are undefeated. Yeah, because you think Tennessee is going to beat Georgia, but um, uh, I think in that scenario, it's hard to like psychologically not put Georgia in the playoff. Just this team that's won at that point, I don't know, forty three of their last 45 games or whatever it is, back-to-back national champions. And Ty goes to the defending champs, the two-time defending champs. It kind of feels that way. But I think you look at Oregon, it has to come down to Oregon versus Texas. And if Washington is still undefeated, like Oregon is number, what, probably five going into the uh, conference championship weekend and beats like number three um, undefeated team. It's, It's hard to see that win not putting Oregon in the playoff. Whereas... Texas is going to be playing Oklahoma State that's number 11 or something like that. And that that win is not going to carry the same weight. And you also have to consider Georgia beating uh, Alabama, maybe knocks them out of the top 10 or something too. So Texas just won't have the resume. Who's their be- their best win being Alabama and like Oklahoma State at that point and, and maybe a Kansas State team or something like that? I don't think that'll compare to Oregon – which, I mean, we're just talking about Oregon only has one win over a win, uh, team with a winning record right now. But to that to this point, it would be a win over U.S. Or if you're getting to that point, it would be a win over USC, Oregon State, and then Washington in the Pac-12 championship. I, I think Oregon would have the better resume at that point. Especially there's like the one thing like – the one thing that's like uh, like the, the step down of an undefeated season – is beating the one team that beat you in a rematch, right? Hmm. It's, so it's like there's something to be said for that too. That you know Washington beat them at on the road, but then they on a neutral site they won. So I don't know. I think Oregon. I think just in recency bias of, like I said, just beating a better higher higher ranked team in that conference title game. I think that'll go a long way. I like it, uh, Matt Green. Um, you ready to get into our week 11? I cannot believe we're already in week 11 in the college football season, sir. Are you ready to uh, get into the games? But uh, before we get into them, remind the good folks uh, where we stand in our pick em and against the spread, sir. All right. Where do we stand against the spread here? So you against the spread on the season, you are 63, 43 and four. And mm. I am 58, 48, and four, five games back. And uh, overall, you're 74 and 36 to my uh, 70 and 40 record. So you're four games up overall, five games up against the spread. 
Zeus, 11 and 3 on the season with his home dog of the week. So just giving, giving the people winners uh, 78.6% on the season. So shout out to Zeus, big dog. I like it. Good, good for Zeus. Good for Zeus. Has Maddox asked? Has Maddox been like, why? What, did it, what do I have to do to get involved in the home dog of the week? You have two dogs, Matt Green, and Maddox has just been on the outside looking in for the last couple of years. Yeah, Is there know, no way to get him in? He's just, uh, he's, he's learning the ropes. You know, he's just not ready yet. You know, mm-hmm. Zeus is a seasoned vet at this point. So, uh, you know, Zeus teaching Maddox the ways. And, and maybe one day he'll be ready. We'll see if he's ready. Okay. A Mandalorian type situation over there at the greenhouse. I've uh, never seen one second of the Mandalorian. So I'm, I, I couldn't tell you, but. It's great. Sure. Are you not a Star Wars guy at all? No, I did see the movies. Uh, in adulthood, I wanted to just see all the movies, so I'm like aware of the story. So just mm-hmm. like the original six movies, and then I saw whatever the one is with Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. That's his name. Kylo. One Ky- word. Is that, that's and what I'm saying, right? You're saying like Kylo Ren. You're saying it like a one. Like, I don't know the way you're saying it. It's like Kylo it's one Ren. word. It's like yeah. I say it like it's hyphenated. Yeah, you Kylo did. Yeah, that's Ren. it's throwing me off. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. but that's yeah, that movie I saw that one. And then whatever mm-hmm. the one there's like some uh, Rogue One or something like that. Rogue One's my actual favorite Star Wars. I, think movie. I saw that one. So I've seen most of the movies. I've seen zero TV shows. I feel like mm-hmm. that's like feels like it ex- feels like it's exploiting the franchise. It's like this isn't this is what Star Wars is about, not TV shows. Wow. Oh, we almost good. Uh the TV show. They're short little series. Oh, they're good. Uh, Mandalorian's been it's a lot of fun. It's just it's nice. Spend some time with Baby Yoda and Mando. It's fun time yeah i've seen um the social media stuff with with baby yoda that's like the extent of my knowledge mm. of that show but well, let's get to it you want to get to start off with uh, the college game day game of the week oh we can get to the college we're gonna game go big noon week. kickoff what are you what are you thinking well, has uh, well, can you let the good folks know what you mean? Because a lot of folks, when they think game of the week and they think of like a big time atmosphere, uh, they think oh, University geez. of Tennessee, they think LSU, they think Texas A and M, they think uh, when Florida or South Carolina when they're up. So I'm just kind of con- confused as to who we're talking about. So if you could clarify uh, for the good folks which atmosphere we're wow. talking about on Saturday, because I I haven't heard so- as Kirby has Kirby um, reminded Georgia fans that they're supposed to be loud at. Uh, Georgia games this week has that had to come up to get ready wow. for this top 10 matchup or is that just he's not worried about uh old miss so he doesn't feel the need uh for the good folks to uh to get loud once again inside sanford stadium shots fired over there i uh i guess eric ainge and taught you tennessee people nothing a year ago you know still questioning we get uh, you at home this year tennessee hasn't lost a home game since georgia in 2021 since, since last time georgia came that's mm-hmm. right uh just remember that um so Ole Miss coming in to Georgia home field advantage you better believe it sir mm-hmm. 92,000 is going to be rocking but yeah college game day game of the week Pat McAfee and the gang is going to be on campus who knows what he'll do next um but Georgia comes in 10 and a half points I think this is down to 10 and a half right mm-hmm. so it was a little bit higher earlier in the week um how do you see this game going so here's the thing. I, uh, I've i gone back and forth in this a little bit. I think early in the week, it was like it was fun to think about, hey, Ole Miss, big game for Lane Kiffin. He got the monkey off his back of winning a big SEC game um, against a top 10 team. He beat LSU in that really, really fun game from a few weeks back. 
Um, big win for for Ole Miss in this program. Trey Harris has been great for them. Quit John Judkins. You have J- uh, J- Jackson Dart. Like you have dudes all over this offense for um, Georgia. And what we've talked about in the past is like the only way when you look at Kirby's history at Georgia, the only teams that can really threaten uh, Georgia and give them a lot of problems are the elite sec quarterbacks like the or really just any elite quarterbacks uh altogether like cj stroud had a really good uh playoff game against kirby and company and now he's looking like an nfl mvp candidate right out of the gate for the houston texans so there's something to be said about um it taking some really top tier heisman level quarterback play to beat kirby smart um and brady cook found that out he struggled late uh, in that game, uh, obviously the pick late against Georgia, you just have to be damn near perfect um, to beat this Georgia team. Uh, and you have to have an elite quarterback, I think. And maybe that's the thing that kind of worries most Tennessee fans this year with Milton and company, but he is completing nearly 80% of his passes at the moment. Um, but Matt Green, I just, I think this is just going to be a fun battle between Dart and Beck. Cause I, I think Georgia's pass rush is not what it was the last two years. I think it's good. It's not great. Like, I think it's good, or I shouldn't say not great. I think it's, you can say it's great. It's not elite. It's not like, oh, what are we doing with Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis and company up front? It's not It's not that level of dominance. The dominance is really more on the back end um, for me with Tyke Smith, with Malachi Starks, with uh, Kamari Lassiter. They have a lot of dudes in that secondary, and they move around and I think that's the most intimidating part of this Georgia team uh, on the defensive side this year. So I think I'm really curious to see how Dart handles that um, by and large, because I think Ole Miss, you could say, is just more of like a souped up Mizzou team uh, that went in there last year and took them the distance. So I think no matter what, I think this is going to be a very close game. I think it's going to be more high scoring than what we saw last week uh, with Mizzou. I think Ole Miss is more complete on the offensive side of the ball, more top end talent than Missouri um, as a whole. I also just think Beck is going to deal is something that I've thought about a lot is I think Carson Beck's going to have a really, really good game. Maybe this is Carson Beck's. I could see this being his best, most memorable game for Georgia this fall um, is getting up for this one last home game of the year. Um, a lot to prove. We'll see if he comes back next year. I think that's still up in the air. We'll see what kind of grade he gets uh, from NFL scouts uh, going into next year. But, I think this is an, a sneaky, important game for him. Um, and he obviously is going up against a super talented kid in Jackson Dart. I think he's going to have a big day. And my gut tells me I'm talking 400 yards. I think this is a bad Pete Golding type game. I, I saw Bud Elliott talking about how the Ole Miss defense success over the last couple weeks is more of a mirage. And that this Ole Miss team uh, maybe, don't, maybe might be a little overrated on the defensive front right now. But remember, Ole Miss only scored 10 points against Alabama. A few weeks back and this Georgia team has more talent than that Alabama defense um, as a whole but both two extremely talented defenses that can put the clamps on folks especially at home we'll see if Brock Bowers comes back in this one my guess is because it's so early that if you do see Brock it's more of like those gadget like kind of a decoy type things I would be surprised if he's a heavily involved guy this soon after uh, the surgery and also just uh, with the experience and seeing what Cedric Tillman was like after I just I have a hard time believing he's just going to be force fed and be a significant part of uh, the game plan this week. But um, maybe Brock Powers is built different uh, in a lot of ways. So maybe he uh, is uh, going to be back to who he was right away. But I don't know. I think with all that being said, 
my gut tells me not only does Georgia win, I think this might be a statement game. I think Georgia might be down early. It might be a South Carolina situation from early in the year with Spencer Rattler cooking a little bit uh, in the first half against Georgia and then Georgia putting the clamps because Georgia in the second half is just a different animal. Uh, They come out and (laughs) Kirby makes adjustments better than anyone in the country uh, in the second half outside of maybe Nick Saban and what Alabama's done too this year. I am going to say Georgia 42 Alabama or Alabama Ole Miss 28 so I think Georgia actually wins and covers but I would not be surprised if it's 28 21 Ole Miss half. yeah speaking of Carson Beck he's the only quarterback in the history of the SEC to throw for 250 plus yards in each of his first nine starts of his career so Mm. I think it was like the first seven starts he was the first one to do but he's just kept that going so yeah I think Beck, yeah, you look at Ole Miss's defense, like they're 11th in the SEC, I think 61st in the country in, in terms of uh, total defense. Like that's ranked behind Kentucky, Missouri, and Florida. And that's that's after those teams played Georgia and, mm-hmm. and hung five, 600 yards on them. So I, have, I think there's a good chance that Georgia's offense kind of goes off in this one. I think this game does have some blowout potential, Kind of because like how you saw with Billy Napier going for that that reckless fourth down early in the game. Like Lane Kiffin is going to be, you know, going for fourth downs and all this. Like Georgia's the number five team in the country on third down in general. Georgia's number five team in the country uh, on, on third down defensively and number one in the country on third down offensively. So like that's a pretty huge stat, especially for a guy like Lane Kiffin, who you know is going to want to go for it on fourth down a lot. Like, I think that could set up a potential going for it on his own 40-yard line in the first quarter, and this thing could could potentially get away get away from Ole Miss or something. So I think this – like you said, this Missouri team kept this game close for four quarters a, a week ago. And, and Ole Miss, they're built very similar to that Missouri team. Like, um, Cody Schrader does lead the SEC in rushing, but I think we'd mm-hmm. all probably take Quinshawn Junkins. He hasn't been 100% healthy this whole year, but – um, and then Jackson Dart, I guess he's better than Brady Cook. I was kind of debating that myself. I think he's a better athlete than Brady Cook, but they are also pretty similar players uh, in their own right. So I think this game, if Ole Miss is able to run the ball, and and that's where Georgia's been, you know, they are still one of the best in the SEC. Like we we judge them at like a different standard, but they that's where they've been susceptible at times this year, and they've they basically haven't been the last few years, but. But one thing that's interesting about their pass rush, I think um, uh, Jake Rowe mentioned this uh, on Dogs uh, for On3, and and he was talking about, I think a year ago, Georgia had like eight sacks in the first seven games of the season, and then in the last, or in the first like eight games of the season, in the last seven games, they had like 28 sacks or something like Hmm. that. It kind of feels like, when Georgia needs to get pressure on the quarterback, they do. It's kind of like Kirby, Kirby, they do what they need to do on defense. And it's like, they're, they're giving up. They're not the habit creating team like they have been. And, you know, maybe these last couple of years, but this is still maybe the best defense in the sec. I, I, I think statistically they are the best defense in the sec. So it's hard for me to see Ole Miss, you know, doing much more than Missouri. Like, I, I kind of think I'm kind of with you. I think uh, I think this thing could get a little out of hand. I'm gonna say 38-17. I think mm. Georgia does kind of make a statement in this one, 
Georgia is 10 and 0 uh, against ranked teams uh, in Sanford Stadium since 2017. So, like, th- this team's basically been unbeatable in the big game atmosphere in Sanford Stadium in the last, how many is that, six years. So, I think um, Ole Miss, like you said, Alabama is definitely the most comparable team to Georgia that they're going to play all season. And they only scored 10 points on that. And it was on the road as well. So they only scored, were able to get 10 points on, on Alabama. It's hard to, for me to see them getting any more than 20 on Georgia. And I just don't think they're – I think this Georgia offense is, is significantly more dangerous than Alabama, especially Alabama in week three or week four when Ole Miss played them. Like that was not – that all, Alabama offense was not uh, firing on, on, on all cylinders at that point. So I think this Georgia offense is, you know – behind LSU probably the next best in, in the conference and and you saw what LSU did they they won an, a crazy shootout i think georgia's going to get a, a few more stops than LSU so yeah give me georgia 38-17 i like it where are we going next Matt Green? oh uh, this is up to you you want to go with your squad or you want to go with a uh, big noon or uh, t- to start our saturday we can go ahead and uh, we could we should probably always knock out our teams first uh, when All they're right. let's when uh, they... let's go to that three thirty CBS slot. Uh, we're going out to Como, Columbia, Missouri. Missouri is a one and a half point home dog in this one against the Tennessee Volunteers. So if Georgia does lose to Ole Miss, uh, to for, to refresh the listeners, and Tennessee wins uh, this Saturday at Missouri. The following week will decide the SEC East. So if mm. Georgia wins, you know this won't have any impact on that. But this this game could have SEC East implications. So um, uh, Tennessee's won four straight mm. in this rivalry uh, coming in. Hold on, let me stop you right there. I'm seeing that word thrown around a lot about this these two teams. It's not a rivalry. There's no rivalry. There's nothing about it's this. Series, these two games. whatever you want to call it. Yeah, like I've seen that from folks, but like ESPN and other stuff. I I've seen that, and I'm like, this is not a rivalry. What are we talking about? Like this, this that needs to be shut oh, down. Man. This is this is a madman type situation over here. This is a um, if you remember in the elevator scene. I don't know if you ever watched Mad Men, Matt Green, but uh, when Ginsburg looks over at Don and he's like, I feel, feel sorry for you. And Don looks over and I don't think about you at all is their response. And that's mm-hmm. how, what we feel about uh, Mizzou. It's like, Oh yeah, this, that, and the other rivalry. I, I was like, what two are we talking about into that show? And I was like, so just everybody is cheating on their spouse. What's going on here? Oh, <laughs> uh, we need to do Matt Green uh, reviews TV shows that he didn't finish uh, for 10 uh, seconds. I think it, it was like six or seven seasons, right? I think I only got two or three, maybe. I didn't get... It's a great show. One of my all-time finish. favorites. Top was, five all-time. It, it was fine. Um, Scorching but, take. Hold on here. <clears throat> I'm looking at the all-time series history between Ole oh, Miss wow. and Tennessee. That would be Tennessee 6, Ole Miss 5. I mm-hmm. or Elvis, Missouri five. I even think that is without a doubt a rivalry. Sir. No, this team came into the SEC and beat Tennessee three straight. Like they came in with a bang. No, no rivalry. We're not respecting this. Rivalry. Mizzou's got if, if one rivalry in the, in the conference. Year, you guys are tied. Oh my god. No, you can't have a rivalry when you, you played you ten guys times. Just now took the lead after these four straight wins. They came in dominating. They were up five to two. Oh my 
If anything, it wasn't a rivalry because Missouri just dominated you guys. Until, Gary Pinkle's uh, not walking through that door, Jerry Matt Pruitt Green. Showed up. Jerry Pruitt showed up and he changed the uh he changed that rivalry. Oh wow. What was twenty nineteen? Was that his first year? Is that or was that was twenty eighteen first 2018. year? You sure it wasn't still at Alabama? I don't know. Not important. But um, Did, I thought he got three at Tennessee. Was it two or three? Now you have me confused. Maybe 21, was 21 was Heupel's first year. Yes. So he may have only gotten two. Butch Jones was there in 2017. No, I was right. Butch he had Jones three. got fired in 2017. No, he had three. Yeah, I'm looking so at 18, it. 18, 19, 20 was yeah. Pruitt. Yeah, okay. I was like, you had me second guess. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he had three. Look, Pruitt, Pruitt took a 50 to 17 beat down. Oh, wow. Two years in a row. They beat y'all 50 to 17. Exactly. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then change that rivalry. Then now you guys won oh four straight. So you should thank Jeremy Pruitt for really, uh, really turning things around in Knoxville. But um, wow, we, we look at this game, and I don't even remember where we were. This, this has gone off the rails. But so I mean, both you of these used teams, the word rivalry and just oh, that's what it was. And you got mm-hmm. you got all sensitive over here because of the word rivalry in their series history. Tennessee mm-hmm. leads six to five and has won four straight. Um, Tennessee's only averaging 21 points per game on the road this season. Heupel is six and six on the road since, uh, being Tennessee's head coach. So far, both these teams blew out South Carolina at home. And then both of them beat Kentucky on the road. That's kind of the only like, uh, similar opponents we have. They kind of, they kind of beat, I would say both games versus Kentucky were close. The scoreboard Scoreboard kind of looked closer in the in the Tennessee game than I think it kind of was, and I think the scoreboard kind of looked bigger versus Missouri than it kind of was. Uh, but anywho, so I think those are the uh, only common opponents for these teams. I, I I I kind of went back and forth on this game because I feel like Tennessee is the better team, but I don't know that they're the better team. I think Luther Burden is questionable in this one. And going on the road, how do you are you confident in uh in Joe Milton and Tennessee on the road in this one? I was gonna let you get pick first, but because I already have mine ready to go, and I was curious to see where you went because you're it's your team, it's my team, and I wanna I have my own thoughts, and I don't want it to to shape where you you're gonna you go here. Legal influence. Oh, I will tell you what's gonna happen. Um, Missouri is going to beat Tennessee on Oh, Saturday. he's doing this every week. It's a bit, just like Kentucky. Like, it's it's a bit for Tennessee. I mean, t- y'all barely Green. beat Kentucky. Y'all beat about like six points, wasn't it? Was it was never, like never 33, doubt. 26, never a doubt over here. And that game was close. That was an never upset. Just like Kansas State Texas, that was an upset I was proud of. I'll pick oh it again. Oh, my God. It's um, every year. South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri. Like, I, didn't, I didn't pick South Carolina. I, I think yeah. I had Tennessee um but i mean that kentucky game was close what's your score here 30 to 24 missouri wins this game okay um so i don't have that as my final score (laughs) Uh, i'll go ahead and tell you we'll also have everything to play for right now and part of what you feel really good about if you're a tennessee fan at the moment um outside of everything school hq and the kind of year you're looking at uh here in knoxville um is that Joe Milton's playing the best football he's played uh, at UT. He's completing nearly 80% of his passes the last few weeks. Um, I was uh, I was thinking about this uh, today. Um, one of the funny th- differences, because we saw big Bryce Young, uh, Nico Yamaliava, the Heisman favorite going into next year, um, really show out uh, in the second half against UConn. 
And one of the things that was so interesting was how good he was outside of structure and uh, just you, stuff you just really can't teach and just is kind of natural. What's been different about Joe the last three weeks, though, and it was kind of jarring watching the two of them uh, playing the same game, is that Joe has now mastered Heupel's offense in terms of being a complete robot. Like, Joe is 100% knowing exactly where to go. He's making that quick decision. He's not doing anything that he's uh, going to get him into trouble that got him into trouble at the floor uh, at Florida uh, a month and a half ago. He's come a long way in terms of like he's an extremely efficient game manager now for Josh Heupel. He's not going to operate outside of structure. He's not turning the ball over. Tennessee is second in the conference in turnover rate. They're not going to turn the ball over a lot. Um, that's just not their MO. Uh, and that helps a lot. Um, the thing that I struggle with the most is Tennessee is still one of the worst teams in the red zone there. I think they're 113th in the country. This is just an offense that struggles this year uh, once things get tight. But Jalen Wright has an opening rushing touchdown the last two weeks. He's uh, arguably the best running back in the conference this year. Dylan Sampson's really come on late. Tennessee is a run first team and Joe Milton has mastered being a game manager with that identity and Tennessee has figured out that identity Dante Thornton uh, pushed outside with the Brew McCoy injury he's a lot more comfortable out there than in the slot I think Tennessee's offensive lines uh, as healthy as it's been a little bit uh, with John Campbell not having to play last week at left tackle spot uh, three defensive touchdowns I don't know if you saw against UConn last week so that was uh, an interesting development for this group is to start forcing turnovers and we'll see if uh, that carries over into this week but Tennessee has also obliterated Eli Drinkwitz in the last two years that Josh Heupel's been there. I understand it's a passing offense, and it was mostly through the air uh, last year, but this has not been a close series, but a close matchup between the two, and it's the same D.C. from what we saw a year ago. Uh, Tennessee is third in rushing yards per game uh, in, the, in the country, fifth in rushing yards per carry, but they are 59th in passing yards per game and 51st in passing yards per attempt, so I don't think it would be that kind of situation, but... I'm not really worried that Mizzou's going to uh, win the battle in the trenches here. I think this is one where they're they're going to struggle, and I think Tennessee's going to get some sacks. I think Tennessee's going to have more success uh, hitting the quarterback and hitting Brady Cook uh, in this one. And I think what's most interesting, too, Joe Broback on Twitter had, in five of the last seven meetings uh, between Tennessee and Missouri, the winners scored 50-plus points. Um, and the over-under, or the total points for this game is 56.5, I want to say. So Vegas and the public think this is going to be a high scoring game back and forth. And I see, I tend to agree uh, in this one. So I think all that being said, Tennessee is focused. They're playing the best offensive football they played to this point in the year. Uh, You have a date against Georgia the following week that may very well decide the East, depending on how Ole Miss goes. By the way, you're playing for 10 wins. You're playing to get back to where you were a year ago. A lot of good football still in front of you. Uh, I think... This is something that uh, it's going to be big. And they also get Missouri right after a very physical, emotional loss on the road at Georgia the week prior. And they took advantage of that against Texas A&M after they lost to Alabama the week prior earlier in the year. So with all that being in the in the crock pot here, I'm going to go Tennessee. I'm going to go Tennessee 48. Mizzou 42. Interesting. Okay. We uh we shall see, sir. I think you uh you might be you might be sleeping on this Missouri uh Missouri offense. And this run defense looks pretty good a week ago against Georgia. I'd be more nervous as a night game. Columbia at night, as you know, it's a different animal, sir. 
I'm it just is a, uh it is we are past daylight savings or <laughs> did daylight savings end or did it just start i don't know i get confused but we all know it gets dark at like five o'clock now so mm. second half of this game it'll be a it'll be a night game kobo will be rocking you don't worry about that um That's i think true. the the potential letdown also a m was going at tennessee week after the alabama game Missouri gets to come back home, you know, their 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 home and home atmosphere. Who knows? They, mm. they, they may have been proud of that uh that showing covering the spread against Georgia. Maybe, maybe. Where are we going next, Matt Green? Let's go to big noon Saturday. Gus Johnson, Maserati Marv himself. Michigan at Penn State. Penn State is a four and a half point dog in this one. Everything going on with Michigan's program right now is just insanity. They haven't played any team with a pulse, basically. I think they've played a couple teams with winning records. Who's the who's the best team they played? Like Rutgers, maybe? Yeah. Um, I look at Penn State's schedule. I feel like we've just left Penn State for dead. Like they're just Ohio State, Michigan are the class of the Big Ten, and it's just they're gonna go undefeated and let's see what happens then. Michigan's got Penn State's got the number one run defense in the country. They lead the Big Ten in sacks. Like this team, this defense is legit. If you're this Michigan run offense, even with inferior competition, they've been playing this uh, running attack has not been the typical just like dominant run game that we're used to with Michigan. So like. Penn State's given up sixty yards a game, and I mean they've played Ohio State, Iowa. Who else? Uh, uh, Maryland. Like all of those teams are probably better than anyone Michigan's played. So it's kind of interesting how we're kind of just positive how good Michigan is, and we're we're like Penn State. No, they're they're nothing. So I think if this game, if Penn State's able to just take away the run and put this on JJ McCarthy to win it, like we just haven't seen JJ McCarthy do that this year. It, it doesn't mean he can't do it, but it's kind of like you know. 2021 Stetson Bennett or something like until he proves it, you know, you're just going to have to continue to question it. Like people did all season Stetson ended up proving the proving everybody wrong, but we, we shall, we, we shall see if JJ McCarthy is able to do that. I honestly, with everything going on with Michigan on the, off the field, it feels like they're under just an insane microscope because I mean, how, if everyone thinks you're cheating and then your cheating is exposed, presumably you are no longer cheating, right? And mm-hmm. then you lose the very first like big game that you play when you're you're quote unquote not cheating anymore. It's like there's an insane pressure that's on Michigan right now at Penn State. I'm gonna take the Nittany Lions to shock the world and beat Michigan on Saturday. Put on the board. Wow. What's the score? What a score at 24-20. You can't on quit the board. Penn State. You're just you're la- you're you're just so locked in. Like this is your preseason darling. You can't quit the Nittany Lions. You're just you're riding this thing out until the very end. I respect it. I definitely have I definitely don't think they're as good as I thought they were going to be preseason. And Drew Aller is not the guy I thought I was thinking he could be. Um, but but I just look at Michigan and I'm 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 still skeptical because we we just don't know what this team is made of. And and this is you can maybe the, all these distractions and stuff. Maybe they're not distractions. Maybe they they rally the the troops and it's Michigan against the world. But it's like it's not Michigan against the world. Like you guys cheated 
and now you're getting called out for it. So it's not like there's some sort of like hatred of Michigan about who you guys are or something like, I don't know. It's, 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 you cheated and now people are, are mad about it. So I don't know. It's just, it's a lot going on. Donovan Edwards or uh, not Donovan Edwards, Blake Cora might be in business with this Connor Stallions dude. Like it's just, it's just a crazy story every, every day, another twist and turn. And I think at some point that can, that can weigh on a team. So I'm, I really do think that like, we're, we're not we're not necessarily giving Penn State credit for like they are still a, a really good football team and with that uh Beaver Stadium crowd behind them like I mean that's that's one of the best home field advantages in college football that's fair uh but I'm not doing that Matt Green I'm going to stick with uh, who has been the best team all year long which is the Michigan Wolverines here um they responded well to the noise last week uh, by blowing out Purdue, and there was a lot of bad blood between Purdue. those two head coaches. Hey, there was a lot of bad blood, and there's a lot swirling uh, around the Michigan program from day to day, and for them to be, they're staying focused right now. JJ McCarthy's been really good all year long. We know about Blake Corn and company. The defense is elite. Penn State needs this in a major way. Um, I think with so much preseason hype to lose to. Uh, Ohio State the way they did, especially offensively, and then if they lose a big home opportunity against Michigan, given the circumstances surrounding the Wolverines right now, I think that's a brutal, brutal combination blow uh, for Penn State this year and kind of feel like a what-if season um, for the Nittany Lions before uh, UCLA and USC and Washington and Oregon come into the fray next year. I think that's something you got to remember if you're a Penn State fan. It's like it's only getting more top-end competition uh, coming into the conference next year it's going to make their lives uh even harder um first big michigan test obviously but there's also, but, there's also a chance they're just better than everyone but ohio state and michigan and it's like yeah. they're two of the top five programs in the country right now michigan's winning on average by uh 34 points per game uh it's the best margin in the country uh they won this game last year i don't know if you remember this was a bloodbath 41 17 Michigan and JD McCarthy is a much better quarterback than Drew Aller uh, to this point, which I didn't see coming this year. I think JD McCarthy's been kind of under the radar all across the board. But I mean, this guy's like a Heisman favorite right now. What are you talking about? It just doesn't feel like it. I don't know. Maybe he shouldn't just... be because they haven't played a team with a pulse. But it's well, like no, he, he should goes... be because quarterback. It's a quarterback award now, and they're the best team it... in the country. So it's like he should be a finalist. Like I would be surprised if Jaden McCarthy. No, he should not be a finalist. Are you kidding me? Like his season is going to come down if he plays well against Penn State and Ohio State. He'll be a finalist. But it's like it's that doesn't even really make sense. Like. He's he's been a game manager the entire season, like a good game manager, but like they're they're murdering everybody they play. He plays for three quarters. It's like that's that's just he's not been having a Heisman season. Like he's not putting mm. up great stats or anything. Like I don't know. I don't see Heisman at all for him to be honest. Sound like a hater. Um <laughs> the James Franklin is three and sixteen against top ten teams all time. And he's one in thirteen against Ohio State and Michigan when I when either school is ranked in the top ten. I don't think they're better, and I don't think it's going to be uh, a, a dream scenario for the Nittany Lions. I don't like this offense. I like where Michigan's at. I think we're still going full steam ahead for undefeated Michigan and undefeated Ohio State at the end of the year. Give me the Wolverines. Hmm. Give me the Wolverines. Thirty-four. Penn State. 
21. All right. Put it on the board. Um, let's go to, back down to the SEC. Let's go. Uh, we got Alabama at Kentucky. Kentucky Wildcats. Oh, by the way, Penn State. That's home dog of the week, by the way. Mm. Zeus, shout out. Kentucky is a 10.5-point home dog in this one. And I'll be honest, I thought about it. Because I feel like there's this narrative out there that Alabama's offense is clicking and Jalen Milrow is a superstar. I saw Urban Meyer compare this guy to Reggie Bush and Percy Harvin, and I'm just like, what are we doing here? Like, who hasn't gone off on LSU's defense this year? Like, everyone they've played has scored 40 points just about. Like, Arkansas almost scored 40 on them. It's like this idea that beating LSU is all of a sudden like, oh, well, he went off versus LSU. Like, this is the first game he's had over 50 yards rushing, like, the whole season or – we're comparing this guy to Percy Harvin. Like, what are we doing? Like, I um, I just you look at what Alabama's been this year. Like, in their nine games this season, they've been trailing at halftime three times and been tied at halftime two other times. They've been, you know, made the best second half team in college football this year. Uh, I don't have those stats right in front of me, but like they've played a bunch of close games. Like I think Kentucky, like I think there's a reasonable chance that this is not like a blowout. Like I was really, I was really close to picking because Kentucky's defense is significantly better than LSU's. Like they've been on one of the better run defenses in the SEC this year. So I just, I, I don't think Kentucky's going to win this game or anything, but I, I feel like Kentucky has a knack for not getting blown out, like not getting embarrassed. Obviously Georgia blew them out a few weeks ago, but like, they're at home like this. This just feels like a game that's like not really fun to watch. Like, like I think I feel like Alabama is going to win this game like like 27 to 13 or something like that. Like Kentucky's able to run the ball a little bit, play keep away a little bit, like make it kind of a, 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 a down and dirty game like Kentucky kind of can do. Like I don't I'm, I'm not a believer that this offense is just like fixed that uh, Jalen Milrow is like a superstar quarterback now like he had a great game against uh, a bad LSU defense also it was all on the ground like no nothing take anything away from him like he had 150 yards and this guy's a ridiculous out uh, athlete but he's still not a, a great polished passer so like that that weakness is still there Devin Leary has obviously been super disappointing this year, but he just played one of his best games of the season against Tennessee. That's at least, you know, something. So we'll see uh, if Kentucky's able to actually do anything on this Alabama defense. I think that's why ultimately Alabama will cover is because Kentucky's just not going to score that many points. But I, I have a feeling like this is a game that's like, I don't know, like 13, 13 to 7 at halftime or something like that. Like it just... Alabama just eventually pulls away, but it's never actually a blowout. I think this is the weirdest line of the weekend. Like 10 and a half for Bama, Kentucky is so strange, especially when you consider just how good Bama's played and how bad Kentucky's been of uh, late. I mean, I, they got the road win at Mississippi State prior to that. They had lost three straight. Um, Kentucky is 0-3 against ranked teams this year. Uh, Devin Leary's thrown six TD passes in three games versus ranked teams. Uh, he's 
just been a huge disappointment completing less than 60% of his passes. Um, Kentucky offense just isn't very good, especially when you shut down Ray Davis, which I think uh, Alabama will be able to do here even on the road. Jalen Milrow and uh, Alabama scored 69 points in their last three uh, three halves of football. Um, they're rolling. And if Jalen Milrow is going to run for 150 yards and that's just going to look the way it does, uh, he had one run uh, in that LSU But that's game. the first time he's done that all year. He has. But that might be where he's at right now. It's my whole thing with Joe Milton. But LSU is a terrible defense. That's why he did that. Like that's what. Why? Why should? Why would he go off the same against Kentucky that he did that he did against LSU? That he's made the leap. That happens. Guys figure it out as the season goes along. The store. The season's a long, long time, and you need game reps. And he obviously has had an up and down type year. But like Jalen Milrow, if I had to guess. I think he probably broke through. That was a huge win. Like in Jalen Milrow's acceleration, that touchdown run he had uh, against LSU last week was bonkers. Like how quickly he can just, I mean, he's a, he's a big dude and he's, he's an extremely talented uh, kid that, uh, but he's been that all year. And he, I don't know. This was ne- what we saw he had last negative week was rushing yards against Tennessee. Like he didn't do anything on the ground versus Texas A&M. Like he was yeah. sacked like five times. Like, Alabama's been giving up a bunch of sacks to anyone who has a pulse. LSU just was is a terrible defense. Like it's just you, you can play well against bad competition. Like what's more likely that this guy all of a sudden just got good, or that he was playing against terrible competition? Mm. Like LSU, I think the weight the name of LSU creates, you know, makes us think this is a big win. But it's it's kind of like Georgia with Florida. Like people weren't convinced that Georgia was number one, and then. Oh, they smashed Florida. Oh, that that's now they're number one. Like, why? Florida sucks. Like, there's there's no reason to change your opinion based on that game, but there's something about the brands that like now that convinces you. Like LSU, this 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 defense has been whack all season. Like Missouri went off on them, Florida State went off on them. Like, obviously, Florida State's a really good offense, but they haven't gone off on everyone else in the ACC. So, you know, I think uh I think it's a little bit of fool's gold with with Jalen Milrow personally. All right, we shall see, sir. Uh, give me Bama thirty eight, Kentucky fourteen. Thirty eight, fourteen. Put it on the board. Speaking of those Seminoles, we'll go to Florida State Miami. Used to be one of the bigger rivalries in college football. Now it's just kind of an afterthought. Also, wasn't this used? This used to be like like Labor Day weekend. It used to be like really early in the in the season. But, well, I think uh, that's where they lost it. I mean, it's been all over. I was looking at the history. They've played it at all kinds of different times, but that's when they had the good stuff. Like have Florida State Miami <laughs> kick off the year. That's that's the good stuff, Matt Green. That's that good that's, shit. That's they need the to open. Yeah, it's uh, that's how I would do it because like, you saw like what you're doing with uh, FSU LSU. Like all eyeballs are on it. Just do FSU Miami. Kick it off that way. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, is Tyler Van Dyke playing in this one? I believe so. So okay, so I it sounds like Miami fans do not want Tyler Van Dyke <laughs> starting anymore. Um, they they had who's the guy? Emory Williams is that the one who played a couple weeks ago? But then mm-hmm. the guy from Lowndes is I think who will, some people want, uh, or at least my Twitter activity says so. Jacuri Jacuri Brown, I, th- mm-hmm. I think is his name. Um, but Miami comes in as a fourteen and a half point dog on the road and uh this feels like like the game florida state needed it's like Mm. this acc schedule it's like it's like it's got monotonous it's like they just they're just trying to survive each week 
not many big game atmospheres. Miami is not a good team, but this is going to bring a big game. And they're not a bad team by any means. The Georgia Tech loss kind of makes them look worse than they really are, but they've been in some dog fights recently. I think Florida State is clearly better, and this is going to have the big game atmosphere that they actually get up for. So I think um, I think Florida State's going to it's going to be kind of a statement game for them. Give me give me Florida State uh, like 31 14. Give me to win and cover. Yeah, I don't know. Miami obviously had the bad loss to Georgia Tech. Uh, the way that game ended, like kind of skewed some stuff for uh, Miami because they would be seven and two uh, without uh, that brain fart. And I mean, when they look bad, they look bad. But remember, this team also blasted um, uh, a good Texas A&M team that was healthy at the time. Uh, top t- uh, five talent uh, right there with uh, Texas A&M, but. I don't know. The Tyre Van Dyke full experience at, uh, at Miami has been very, very weird. Miami sneakily still has Louisville right after this. That's tough to get them back to back like that. And then at Boston College, he's been spicy uh, in the second half of this year. But you lose 20 to 6 to my, uh, to NC State on the road, which was always going to be tough. Sneaky, tough place to play. You barely beat Virginia, but you beat Clemson, who looks uh, like they're back on track. Uh, you lose a tough one on the road at North Carolina, but. I don't know what to do uh, with this Miami team. I think they're still solid. Like, I still think they're better than they were a year ago. They're making progress. They still, Mario Cristobal still has some dumb stuff, but I think the coordinators are good. The problem is, I mean, this is, Jordan Travis and company are playing really good football as of late. I think they're just kind of a a buzz on uh, in this one where, Travis, he had four big time throws at Wake Forest. Uh, he had his best overall grade uh, the week before Duke. Um, he's playing just unbelievable football the last few weeks. I think he's playing his best ball at the right time, which I think will be huge here. Keon Coleman, just a complete matchup nightmare for everybody week in, week out. Uh, you talked about Tyler Van Dyke and his struggles. Like he's one of the worst uh, quarterbacks uh, when not pressured, which is weird. Like he's really bad when he has a clean pocket, which is never where you want to go. Um, Seminoles, if you remember last year, they won 45 to three Matt Green. Um, but when this game has been played in November all time, it's five and five. It's a even tie with these two schools. So all that being said, my gut just tells me that Miami covers. Like I think this uh, rivalry game, you get up for it, big recruiting weekend for both schools. I think Florida State ultimately wins, but remember, Florida State still struggle with Pitt on the road. They still play down their competition a little bit. I think Florida State wins, but I think it's going to be close. So give me Florida State 31, Miami 28. All right, put it on the board. Let's go to the Pac-12. We got the Washington Huskies hosting the Utah Utes. Washington's a nine-point favorite in this one. I kind of went back and forth on this one because I just, I, I kind of just feel like Utah is going to spoil something because that's what they do. They just spoil the Pac-12's fun, and then, and then nobody gets in the playoff because mm. that's what Utah does, you know. Um, but yeah, what do you, what are you saying about this? What do you think about this game? Glad you said this, Matt Green. This is my first upset. Uh, of the weekend mm. i think utah wins this game cam rising obviously gone for the year we'll see if he comes back for year 19 of his college career because apparently that's on the table uh for him 
Uh, so we'll see. But it sucks for Utah that he uh, will not be able to go at all with his knee. I didn't realize how many things he broke. I was reading about Cam Rising. Like, he missed his MCL, his meniscus, his ACL. Like, he got, like, it was everything uh, in that uh, Rose Bowl injury. But um, get well soon, Cam, uh, Cam Rising. Uh, we miss watching you play. But uh, here's what I don't think. You dub. Their defense is awful. So this is actually a sneaky great uh, matchup for Utah where, look, the offense has been hot and cold. They dropped 55 against Arizona State last week. They got blasted by Oregon. Uh, An Arizona State team that Washington scored 15 against yeah. at home. I just, Kyle Winningham is a very good college football coach. Um, they won at USC. 34-32, they held USC to 32 points, which Washington was not able to do. Washington, I mean, Caleb Williams still was able to do whatever he wanted to do against his Washington defense. I think they're still in the upper 30s, maybe worse than that following the USC game. I just, my hunch tells me Washington's not going to make it through this gauntlet undefeated before they get Oregon in the, the Pac-12 title game. And I think this is the biggest one I have circled as the most likely of a loss. And it's at home, which helps Washington, but I think they're going to get got before the Pac-12 title game, and I think they get got here. So give me Utah in a low-scoring one. Michael Penix has his worst game of his season this year um, going into this game. Give me Utah 27, Washington 25. 25 interesting mm. uh interesting number there um yeah i i almost wanted to do it to be honest i i there's just i just kind of have a, a bad feeling about this game for washington but um I, i'm gonna say it's another close call so give me uh give me washington to, to win this one but utah to cover i'm gonna say 27 24 oh shoot that was like almost the same score you said but i got washington winning it's a series that's actually been dominated by uh, Washington uh, to this point. Um, two and twelve all time for Utah. Well, we shall see. But they have not played since twenty twenty, which is interesting. In the same conference, they haven't played in three years. Yeah, is Utah? I guess they're in the South. Mm. Um. All right. Um. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, let's keep it in the Pac-12. We got USC going on the road at Oregon, and USC is a 15-point dog on the road. Um, how do you see this one going? Man, this is the USC. We talked about this at the beginning of the year, where I was like, the USC lost their coming because people were putting USC in the playoff and a preseason thing. And I'm like, it's not a good schedule. Like this was an awful schedule for them to put together because. This is just a bloodbath week over week over week with Notre Dame, with um, with Utah, with um, Washington, with like just you keep going through it and you're like, goodness gracious, like Oregon, like it's it's tough. Uh, the spot that USC has found themselves in here. Oh, I, I don't think realize, this, I didn't realize it was a 1030 one. That's uh, that'll be fun. It will be for a little bit because Oregon, I think, is going to blast this Utah, uh, this USC team. What's interesting about USC and Oregon, how different Bo Nix and uh, Caleb Williams are, is that like Bo Nix doesn't throw the ball past 10 yards at all through the air. So if you go through the stats, like he's one of the worst in the, uh, I should say worse and like it's not accurate. He's just like in terms of um, 
frequency, he's at the bottom end in all of FBS and balls through the air for 10 yards or more. Like everything's short and then yak. Everything is just putting the ball in playmakers' hands and they go to work and uh, they do the rest. Uh, but it works for Bo Nix and uh, Oregon. Like they're one of the best offenses in college football, but it's uh, it's a very different style than uh, the big play deep downfield and Caleb Williams doing a lot of uh, stuff all over the place and freelancing. Oregon uh, is doing more of a they're they're just a well oiled I think machine at this point. I also wonder, like we saw MJ Morris shut it down this week at NC State. Um, he'll be back. It looks like um, going into next year. But Caleb Williams, man, like how much do you ball out here? You're out of the college football playoff picture. Uh, you just fired Alex Grinch, so this is your first week without Alex Grinch, the DC. That you might have a little bump there. We'll see. I mean, part of it last year, too, was like they were unbelievable in turnover margin, if you remember. Like, that was the story. It was like how insane they were in turnover margin that helped them in a significant way. And they're not elite in that way this year. I just, all this is just like bad juju to me. I think this is going to get ugly down the stretch here. And Lincoln Riley doesn't really have these kind of seasons ever as a head coach. We haven't seen it uh, to this point. But I just, I think this is going to be rough. Bo Nix and Oregon's on a mission, I think. They are on a mission to win out. I think they are pretty much um, in a great spot to make the playoff if they win out. I think Oregon's just going to win. I think they're going to smash this USC defense, especially at home. USC is in a free fall. I think they're kind of in a similar boat to Colorado. We're losing a lot of momentum, tough schedule, and uh, we'll see what it looks like. But my gut tells me Oregon, I mean, give me Oregon 52, USC 21 i think this is ugly yeah i um i don't want to make too much of the whole like crying in the stands after the no game, and it's not that like let you guys gotta, live and do yeah but you gotta wonder like why was he crying like was was he did he feel like he had just given all that he had left in that game and yeah. you know like is he felt like defeated or something you gotta I do kind of wonder, do we get the best version of Caleb Williams? Well, I think like it's just overwhelming, saying, right? People last... just react differently, right? Like they just, hey, it's okay. Like he wears his hard on his sleeve. It's a lot of pressure. Dan Patrick this week said he like he has the most pressure of any quarterback in the sport. Um, Heisman last year, your last year of college football, you want to win a national title and the defense just let you down week over week. It's like, what else can you do? I think it's probably overwhelming to be that good and your offense to be rolling like that. And to still lose uh, the way they have, I mean, I, I look. It's not it's just hard. his defense that lets him down either. Like it's the the offense is completely him. It's like every single play in that Washington game, he's just running around, like just making stuff happen off schedule. Like he uh, he really is like their entire offense. But obviously, they have good playmakers on top of him. But I um I don't see it being the same uh, blowout. To be honest, hmm. like I don't. I don't think it's going to be quite uh, the same shootout as as Washington, but I think you could have a lot of the similarities of that Washington game. This USC offense is still legit if we're getting the best version of Caleb Williams, of course. Um, but I think, like you said, like they're not going to be able to stop Oregon. So they don't stop anybody. So they're not going to win. But 15, that's just a big spread. So give me, uh, give me Oregon 42 to 28. Um, and so USC, uh, it covers in this one. And what'd you say? You said 52 to 21, 24. Yeah. 52 to 24. All right. 
put it on the board. Um, let's go back to the uh, to the SEC. Uh, we got Arkansas and Auburn. Arkansas coming off the big win over Florida. Sam Pittman, did he save his job against Florida? Um, it's possible. If he could get to a bowl game, a bowl game is definitely uh, still on the table for Arkansas at this point. Sitting at, what, three and six right now? Um, it's still out there, though. Um, how do you see? And so Auburn comes in. Three, Arkansas is a three-point favorite at home in this one. How do you see this one going? We're not going to spend a lot of time in this one. This is ugly. Don't. There's a lot of good games this weekend, folks. Don't spend a lot of time with Arkansas, <laughs> Auburn. This is going to be ugly. Maybe Auburn turned the corner a little bit uh, last week. Um, in the last really couple weeks, Jaquez Hunter uh, is really, really good. I think he's going to be a really good player going into next year, too. Auburn's got a lot of talented backs, and that will probably be their identity going forward. Um, but, hey, they won two in a row. Thorns passed for 424 yards, five TDs. Um, and Auburn's won eight of the last 10 in this series. Um, obviously, like you outlined, Arkansas needs to win this game to get bowl eligibility because uh, they have to be perfect in these last three. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think Auburn's the better team. I think they have more talent. And I think uh, they're figuring some stuff out on offense. So give me Auburn. I think it's going to be low scoring. Give me Auburn 24, Arkansas 20. I say Auburn barely covers. See, Auburn doesn't have the same motivation. They got that New Mexico State game in their back pocket next week. They'll be able to get bowl eligible if they don't win this one. Arkansas has got to have this one. They're, uh, our, the Razorbacks are winning this one, baby. 28-24. Give me the Razorbacks. Yeah. Six of the last seven games have been decided by uh, one score. They're one in five in those games. So uh, we'll see if they can turn that around this week. Um, keeping it moving, Duke, North Carolina. Uh, we got Duke is, what is it, 14 and a half point dog in this one at North Carolina. And you just look at North Carolina and – I, you just can't trust this team week to week. You know, obviously they had the back-to-back -back losses uh, just recently, but Duke is just a solid team, and they're not really getting blown out by mo – obviously Louisville beat them handedly a few weeks ago. But um, I think I like uh, North Carolina to win, but Duke to cover. So give me like, I don't know, like 34, 34 to 26, uh, North Carolina wins this one. I can't believe you put this on our pick em. It's going to be ugly. This is Duke is just, they've been destroyed by injuries on the, uh, on offense. They still find ways to win uh, games, rivalry game, all that kind of stuff. UNC though, they're like, this is high 14 and a half in the rivalry game. I think UNC uh, is going to win this game, but lock it up that Duke's covering. Like this is like Malik Elko all over it, like 14 and a half for UNC and what we've seen from them week over week. Absolutely not. So give me, UNC, give me UNC 28, Duke 24. 28-24? Mm. You just say it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. Like, there's going to be multiple picks. It's going to be, it's going to be ugly. I don't think you're going to see a lot of excitement uh, in this one. I think uh, maybe a couple chunk plays where uh, UNC scores some touchdowns, but I think it's going to be a lot of punts in this one. 
Fair enough. I think uh, so. This last one we got, or no, we got two more left. We got we skipped Iowa a week ago. We'll remember to get Iowa there this time. Um, we got. Oh, LSU. I have some. I have a rant for Iowa and Rutgers for you. All right, we got LSU in Florida. Florida's a thirteen and a half point dog on the road. Um, I was expecting this to be the noon kickoff, to be honest. I guess LSU, they just get a lot of the night kickoffs. But um, if, if Alabama-Kentucky could have been this night SEC network game, it could have been a little more dangerous spot. But um, Florida comes in, you know, like I said, 13.5-point dog. Uh, how do you see this one going? Well, I think this LSU losing last week and Florida losing kind of demoted both, where it was just kind of like a lot of this luster for this game went away based on how... Uh, these teams fared and looked uh, last week. Uh, Matt Green and Jay That's Daniels. Fair. The SEC Network night game is uh, inferior to the noon ESPN slot. Yes, um, generally speaking, um, this is just a huge line for this series because still a lot of talent. Florida, Florida's just hard to read. They've lost two straight. Um, Daniels though is still like he should play. We'll see if if he doesn't. That changes stuff here. Um, but they lead the nation in total offense. He's thrown for 2,700 yards, 27 TDs. He's ran for 684. Like Jane Daniels has been unbelievable uh, this year for the Tigers. The defense has just let him down, similar to Caleb Williams and what he's dealt with at uh, USC just on a smaller scale. Um, Florida's allowing 350 yards uh, overall, which is 44th uh, in college football. Um, they've given up 121 uh, total points in the last three games. Uh, that includes a win. Uh, over South Carolina, but they've only won twice in the last 10 years in this series, Matt Green. That surprised me. I thought Florida would have had more success in the last 10 against LSU, but LSU's really dominated it over the last decade. So all that, that be- right? all that being all right. said, mm-hmm. I think I remember both of them off the top of my head too. There's that goal line stand when they're mm-hmm. rocking the all orange mm-hmm. uh, in, in Death Valley. And then there's the, uh, the one they had that pick six at the end, Joe Burrow, Drew Burrow's first year starting in 2018. Mm. There you go. Good call. Good pull, Matt yeah, Green. Yeah, that 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 uh, because my buddy was at that LSU game. He's I think he said that that. Oh shoot, I forget the guy's name. Taylor Brad Stewart. Brad Stewart. I want to say the corner. I, I think he said that's like the loudest he's ever heard. The swamp was off mm. on that uh on that pick six kind of to seal it. I think there was like a a pick six or like up three at the end or something, and then you get the pick six to go up ten or something. Keely Ringo style, you know, the kind of the game ceiling pick six. Yeah. There you go. Um, all that being said, Jay Daniels plays. I think Florida's on the downward trend here down the stretch. Give me LSU. Give me LSU 42, Florida 28. That may have been the exact score I picked. What did I say? Um, no, I had LSU 45-31. I think it's hard mm. to it's hard to give LSU the 13 and a half because, you know, they're going to get in a shootout with just about anybody. Um and this Florida team, you know, you've seen them score points at times. So, um against LSU, you know, who knows uh what this game is going to be. Um so I'm with you. 45-31, I think uh, LSU wins and covers. There you um, go. And our last one, we got Iowa and Rutgers. Uh, I was at home in this one. They are a one point favorite at home. How do you see this one go? I, well, I, I'll say this. 
I have no idea. I guess I do have some idea of what to expect with Iowa because most likely this game's going to be played in the teens. And so I'm going to say Iowa wins it 17-13. This Rutgers team has been pretty solid. This would probably be their best win of the season, I think, if they uh, if they win this one. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to say Iowa, and I'm going to give the floor to you, uh, to whatever you had to say about the Hawkeyes. Thank you, sir. Um, here's the thing. Iowa is good. And I think people misunderstand, like, because of this one part that has just been insanely bad the last couple of years. Like, Brian Ferentz has been insanely bad at his job the last couple of years in Iowa. Kirk Ferentz is still an elite football coach. And this has been an elite defense year over year. They are still, like, the special teams has been really good. They should have gotten even another win uh, on the punt return that was called back against Minnesota that cost them that game. They are still winning a buttload of games sir they're 12 and 3 in their last 15 they are like 15 and 1 in november over the last four years as greg shiano pointed out like iowa wins a bunch of football games like i think there's this weird idea where like they're northwestern i think they're around college football fans now where like people have taken it too far we're like look kirk's big mistake is just giving the job to his son and letting him st- keep it for too long when he clearly was not equipped to do it but you know what his son's good at coaching the offensive line because he was doing that before and we've seen all the offensive linemen from iowa that ended up in the nfl and first rounders and this then the other if he had just stayed in that role and just hired someone else like we're talking about iowa's like one of the best seven to ten programs doing the most with less kirk ferentz like it's hard to win at iowa and that dude makes it look easy. This is a team, Matt Green. Are they going to win the West again? Iowa football is extremely effective in so many different ways. They shoot above their head. They're right now first in the Big Ten West. And we talk about them like they're horrific. They should be 8-1. and one. They should be 8-1, and one, Matt Green. They got the stupid That's punt return fair. call back against... Like, this is a good football team. It's just the offense is unfathomably bad. And it's all a nepotism issue, but everything else is great around this program, the team and the, what they do week over week. Brian Ferentz knows how to win football games. Also, Rutgers is six and three. They're bowl eligible for the first time since 2014. Greg Schiano is broken. Them, through. It's hard mm-hmm. to call him great. Like, yeah, they, I, I, all the points you made, I agree with most of them. Like Iowa, it, it, there is this kind of, they're, they're, they're miss it's misguided kind of the criticism the criticism of Iowa but like they play good defense but like the the entire Big Ten West plays the worst offense you've ever seen so I I honestly don't know how to interpret how good of defense quote-unquote that entire conference is playing essentially because like you look at Ohio State hung 50 on them last year like Penn State beat them 31-0 this year. Penn State has a terrible offense, like or not a terrible offense, but it's been a pretty questionable offense when they played good teams. So I think uh it, it's hard. Like they're good. And Kirk Ferentz is is a good coach. It's hard for me to call him like an elite college football coach. He is like, absolutely an elite college football coach. I mean, they're fine. Every every four or five years they win like 10 games, like yeah, it's they're, they're Iowa. pretty good. There's but no it, talent. There's no recruiting bet. But if they were playing against better competition, like would they be winning the big they would would they be winning their division with regularity like they do? Like I don't really think he so. He went undefeated in the Big 10 8 years ago, 12 and 2. 
to like so from 2015 on 12 and 2 8 and 5 8 and 5 9 and 4 10 and 3 6 and 2 in 2020 10 and 4 8 and 5 7 and 2 he's on the verge of another 10 win year this year if you don't have that stupid minnesota thing like he's maximizing a, a crazy climb yeah, to relevance in in the in iowa and iowa city like the dude has put out so many NFL quarterbacks, so many NFL corners, safeties, defensive linemen, uh, offensive linemen, we've tight also ends. Seen, like we've seen different backs. programs get to like college football playoffs and stuff. So it's not like we've seen Michigan State do it. We've seen Washington do it. So it's they not, have more talent like, and more Iowa money. Was a, he was established in like the early 2000s. At some point, like if what you're, do you want from Iowa, Matt Green? What are your expectations? What do you want I from mean, the man? I'm just saying he's good, but it's no, he's you can't elite. Call the guy elite. I mean, yes, I was. Yeah, I mean, what? 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 How many times have they finished top ten since he's been there? I don't know. He's 193 like and 117 at Iowa. Like that's cool. Like he's a good coach. Oh, but wow. it's like Iowa. He's been there for a really long time. A huge part of his of his job is is talent acquisition, and like this you know, they're, they're good. They're not great. And I think if they played in a better conference, like the one that they're probably going to be playing when they play Washington and Oregon and USC with regularity, like this team's not sniffing the Big Ten championship again. Like they're, they're not going to. That's not their fault. It. I mean, are they? Is he an elite coach or not? Oh my God! What do you want from Iowa? What do you want from Kirk Ferentz? He's maximized yeah, the program better than 20, just about anybody yeah, could. He's a good coach, and I'll, I'll, I agree with you in in that fact. Like, the people talk about their team like they're a joke just because the offense sucks. Yeah, but I just can't stand team, how they're talked about. Where I'm like, they're I'm with you there. Great, they're a great team in so many other areas, and they're going to almost walk into ten wins again. And you're talking about them like they're freaking colorado state it's just weird um how far uh and part of it is just because of how frustrating it is because they're georgia tech or something yeah um yeah i'm with you there but can i also say something about Rutgers too digit games what's that Rutgers is broken through they're a bowl team right greg shiano breaking through a little bit they're they're pesky they gave uh ohio state hell a little bit last week if you're a Rutgers fan you're just like man we probably might go to a new year's six bowl this year if we were in like the CUSA. Like, I understand we took the check from the Big Ten and all that, but like, we've broken through. It took a really long time. Greg Shiano is a really good coach, but like, I wonder if fans uh, email us at chasemspodcast at, uh, at gmail.com, uh, Rutgers fans, because I'd be curious about this. Is like, you know, we're never winning the Big Ten. And we actually have are having a fun year. We're gonna go to a bowl game, which is cool. We haven't been to one in a long time, but like this team is pretty good, especially on defense. That I think if you played a schedule like uh what they used to play in the Big East, like if you played a AAC schedule, like they're playing like, South Florida yeah. and Syracuse, right? Like, now. are you a nine and three, ten and two type team, and you're just like, wow, what a year! This is so much fun. Or like, are you just? I, I don't know. I wonder about that for teams like this when you kind of break through and you're like, man, this feels like a, this is breaking through and it's just ball eligibility. And it's it's a slog and we're still just not even in the same universe as the Michigans of the world and never will be. 
Yeah, it's like that's like that's why we had different divisions and different yes. classifications. It's like you're not on that level. Like it's it's whatever. It's an automatic win for all of these big programs and uh and I and they're six and three, so they've obviously been winning a bunch of games. They're they're not an automatic win this year, but uh, they're never gonna win anything, you know, like they could potentially if they were in the in the Big East or like they're in the American conference right now or something mm-hmm. like that's that's the competition that definitely fits their football program but uh what can you do they want to uh big 10 one of that new york market and they uh they're happy to cash the checks absolutely well uh i didn't get my score give me iowa 20 Rutgers 10 here iowa to win and cover uh, i'll do that um iowa to win and cover put it on the board all right well that's all i've got sir anything else you want to have as we wrap up here tonight uh, that's all I got, sir. Uh, we'll have uh, all eyes locked on that uh, that three thirty CBS kickoff this weekend. You know, it's Georgia might have the SEC locked up if Missouri can uh, can get the upset over Tennessee. Isn't it an upset? I would say it's an upset. It's a one point one point. Do- I'm not sure it is an upset. This mm. what number thirteen versus number fourteen. One point spread, basically a pick 'em. So, uh, yeah, I, if Missouri wins that, Georgia will have the uh, SEC East locked up. Maybe Brock Bowers doesn't have to risk an injury. And uh, who knows? Maybe we see some black jerseys. I'll be a foolish Georgia fan to get my hopes up once again uh, just for Kirby to uh, say he doesn't care about jersey colors. There you go. Matt Green, always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Good. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.